Okay, I'm giving you an assignment at the beginning today. So you get, you're getting homework at the beginning, not the end like usual. So are you ready? Okay, so um, there are any number of places you might go this week where someone behind a counter or in a drive through window or whatever might, um, might say to you something like, have a blessed day. Okay, right, that might happen. Have a blessed day. Check out lines, drive through, wherever you might go. You've heard that, right? Okay, here's your assignment. Next time someone in a business says to you, have a blessed day, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at them and say, are you sure about that? (laughs) And then just write down their response. Or maybe go further than that. Say something like, are you sure I'm the person you need to be saying that to? (laughs) Yeah. Or if you really want to go for the extra credit assignment, you could look at the person behind you in line and then look back at the person behind the counter and say something like, you know, I'm not sure if you should say have a blessed day to the person behind me in line. <laughs> okay, everybody got their assignment. <laughs> Report back next week. I want to hear what... Matter of fact, we'll give you two weeks. This will be your table discussions at Potluck. You can tell me how this went. Now... I'm assuming that people aren't saying that like, have a nice day, good luck, you know. Surely everyone who says to you really means, have a blessed day. The Lord bless you and keep you, right? I'm just asking, is it always appropriate? What if they really knew you? What about the person behind you in line? What if they tried to cut in front of you? What if you saw the person behind you in line put some merchandise in their jacket? Or what if they honked at you the entire time you were in the drive-thru and bumped your bumper a couple of times? Oh, yeah? Have a blessed day? Okay, sure. Don't tell them that. They don't deserve it. How does have a blessed day even work? Are you able to say to someone, no, don't? (laughs) Or don't tell me what to do. (laughs) Okay, we're in Psalm of Ascent, number 10, five more to go. This is a bit different. This is from a national perspective. This is Israel talking, okay? So the pilgrims make their way to Jerusalem, for sacrifice and feast and worship and prayer. They would have been saying or singing or praying this psalm as a nation, which which makes application to us just a little more difficult because Israel is Israel. We'll give it a shot. But if you can imagine them making their way to, to Jerusalem and they're offering one another a word of blessing, Have a blessed day. Not exactly, but we'll say that. 
Maybe they would have had somebody in mind. Maybe they would have actually passed by a farm. Yeah, but not that guy. <laughs> yeah. A song of ascents. They have greatly oppressed me from my youth, let Israel say. I love the way it was just a new living. Since I was a kid, they have oppressed me from my youth, but they have not gained the victory of me. Let Israel now say, it's like, a, it's like a psalm from the mouth of Israel. So the me is like a nation speaking. From my childhood. Now, when you, you read your, your Hebrew scriptures, you read your Old Testament, when was Israel not afflicted or oppressed by somebody? Right. Other translations use words like attacked, persecuted, afflicted. Um, to be bound up, oppressed, means to, to feel a force pressing down on you. It's like having your freedom stolen. From Egypt, through the judges, into the kings, you find all these different periods of time where Israel is oppressed by other nations, by outside forces. Even if you go back to Israel in Egypt and Moses is at the burning bush, right? You look at how it's described. It says, so they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They were oppressed with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. The more they oppressed them, the bigger they got. They have greatly oppressed me from my youth, but they, they have greatly oppressed me from my youth, repeats it twice in the psalm, but they have not gained the victory over me when they're describing this in Acts 7, when you're getting this big, long sermon. It says, The Lord said to Moses at the burning bush, Take off the sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. So that's what oppression is. As a matter of fact, he's going to use... He uses the words cords in verse 4. It's, it's being constrained. It's, it's sitting on your chest. He says, God says, I see you, Israel. I'm sending help. And so in this psalm of ascent, you can imagine over the years as they make this journey, even if they're coming back from Babylon many, many generations later, they say this psalm together. Greatly oppressed from my youth. Since Israel was a little kid, oppressed. Now, it's interesting. This goes two ways. God said it would be this way. Israel, just because you're mine, if you try to, if you try to obey me, if you try to trust me, you try to worship me, you're going to be oppressed by the people around you. They're not going to get you. They're not going to understand you. You're going to be afflicted. But he also told them, if you stop worshiping, trusting me, and obeying me, I will just kind of remove my hand and let those people come in and oppress you. So 
It's a natural part of life of just being you with me, but also know it's going to happen if you decide not to walk with me. You read through and you find these times where these foreign kings come in. You go through the book of Judges, eight years, 10 years, 18 years, 20 years, people hiding in caves, people in misery, right? And they'd cry out for help and the weight would be lifted. There's this important line here at the end of verse two, this important but, but they have not gained the victory. Interesting, right? But they have not gained the victory. Makes you wonder when they sang this one for the first time, (laughs) right? How they felt praying this through all the ups and downs and even coming back from Babylon. Oppressed but not finally defeated. Sounds like something the Apostle Paul would say, doesn't it? In other words, the cords were strong but not stronger than God. And look at how he describes it. Plowmen have plowed my back and made their furrows long. Like they've gone from one end of the field to the other on my back. But the Lord is righteous. He has cut me free from the cords of the wicked. But the Lord is righteous. They have plowed my back. But the Lord is righteous. The Lord isn't like them. They sacrifice me for their gains. And the Lord gives of himself for me. The Lord makes a promise and he keeps it. And the Lord is ultimate, not the oppressor. The oppressor is never ultimate. He is king. The oppressor never gets the last word. The oppression is awful and it's difficult and it's painful, but it's not sovereign. But the Lord, verse four. What great three words to get together. But the Lord, but the Lord, but the Lord is righteous. But the Lord is righteous. No, no cord is stronger than our righteous Lord. So Israel looked, right? You go through all these, all these different psalms. I won't read them all because this is long, but the arrogant have hidden a snare for me. They have spread out their cords of their net, but you, Lord, hear my cry for mercy. The cords of death entangle me, but I cried to God for help Right? He cries for righteousness. He cries for mercy. He cries for compassion. All of that is stronger than the cords. The mercy and compassion and righteousness of God is stronger than the cords of oppression. May all, so this is the prayer. This is the, the prayer. May all who hate Zion. So the city we're traveling to, the city we're all on our way to as we pray or sing or say this psalm together, the city we're traveling to, everyone who hates that city, may they be turned back in shame. When their army pulls up to the gates, may they leave not just defeated, but may they leave embarrassed with their tail between their legs. Not just because they were defeated or even intimidated or thought better of it, but turned back in shame. And that's not just enough. Verse six, he's throwing down 
the prayer here. May they be like grass on a roof which withers before it can grow. A reaper cannot fill his hands with it, nor can one who gathers even fill his arms. Grass on a roof like seed that falls on hard ground. Springs up and it falls away in the heat. Shallow roots, no irrigation, can't be harvested. It dies so quickly. May their failure be as fast as their success. How's that for a prayer? (laughs) This brief moment, it has the appearance of success and it's done. It's green and lush, nope. (laughs) It's quite the prayer, isn't it? Can you imagine everybody praying this as they go on their way to Jerusalem? (laughs) That guy, that guy. Yeah. Final one. May those who pass by not say to them, the blessing of the Lord be on you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. (laughs) May those who pass by them not say that. We bless you in the name of the Lord. The Lord's blessing be on you. May nobody say that to them. May no one say to them, have a blessed day. (laughs) Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Nope, they don't get that. Those people, nope. Like there's this, so many of these psalms would have been like for, for planting and harvesting season, right? They would have been very fresh from this, right? And, and you have this scene in Ruth where Boaz shows up and it's this common thing that happens. It says he arrived from Bethlehem and he greeted the harvesters, right? So imagine Boaz coming up, he's looking out at his fields and he calls out to the harvesters, the Lord be with you. And the harvesters answered back, the Lord bless you. And in this psalm, they're saying, hey, don't nobody say that to them. Nobody asked them for the Lord to be with them. My goodness, it's kind of harsh. So you can imagine this in the mouth of someone making the pilgrimage back from Babylon. And they're passing by the nations that hate them. No blessing for you, no blessing for you, no blessing for you. Blessings for no one, right? Yeah. For an enemy of Zion, there would be nothing about their life that would suggest the giving and receiving of blessing from the Lord. You you wouldn't survey their life of these oppressive people. You wouldn't be inclined necessarily to weep for them. Like you wouldn't go, I hope you succeed at what you're doing. If what you're doing is my defeat, right? You wouldn't say righteous God bless their efforts to defeat your city. See? So you're passing by their field. Asking God to bless their crops. Is this the psalmist saying, don't do that? Hmm. So don't have a blessed day. (laughs) Wow. 
saying, no blessing for the person who only wants to curse in return. This is Israel speaking. They have oppressed me since I was a kid. They've tied me up and taken away their freedom. God is righteous. He breaks the cord. Now may all who hate Zion and Zion's God be turned away in shame. May they be like withering grass and don't let anyone offer them a blessing as they pass by. Let them feel the weight of who they are and what they've done. Okay, that's a prayer for Israel. Are we just going to leave it with them? What are we going to do? Like, is this, it's just going to have to be one of those Old Testament little stories where we go, well, that's an Israel story. We're going to do something, right? I mean, it's 1049. (laughs) Okay. um, I'm just going to offer some closing ideas here, how we might put this together. Um, Five points of application. The first two or three are warnings. Okay? Number one has to do with the very first word of the psalm. They. They have greatly oppressed me from my youth. The original people who had this psalm in their mouth knew exactly who they was. They were. <laughs> Sorry, grammar people who just, like your toenails just curled up. Did he just say they was? <laughs> yeah, Tennessee coming out. Thank you very much. My family would have been fine with that. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I knew who they were. They would have known who they were talking about, right? Like even this morning when we were talking about Kenya, Right? Like Sherry and Molly. Like, you know who they are, right? There's, there's, it's clear who they are. But, like, Christians, we tend to write songs about they. They will not, they can't, they'll never, they try to. Who is they? I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, this is all I'm going to say. We should be very careful when we talk about they because it can become this very vague, nameless, faceless enemy that I can blame something on. Um, and, and we live in the world. The world isn't for us. Don't get me wrong, right? There's a there's system, a kingdom of darkness in place. Jesus said, if the world hated me, they'll hate you. But this is, what I, this is what I mean. The word they can very easily become those people. Right? Those people. And, and when Christians start talking about those people, you, could be, you become very close to what Jesus talked about in Luke. When he says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and one was a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. (laughs) Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even 
that guy. This tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. And the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, tax collector, when I'm justified, Pharisee did not. I'm just saying, be very, very careful about they. Unless, like, yeah, I don't even know. Just, just be careful about they. Like, Paul makes this long, long list, and he even talks about his own back. Like, 40 lashes minus one all those times. He had scar tissue. He, Paul knew Psalm 129, and he probably read, Plowmen have plowed my back and made their furrows long. And he went, yep, right. But he also knew, oppressed but not defeated. But he was also taking incredible risk and he made incredible sacrifices for the sake of the gospel. So you would expect attack, right? So when he, when he draws out this long list of all the things that's happening to him, when he talks about they, he knows who they are. Okay, let's stop. Okay, number two. This one's a quick one. Um, over and over and over again in Scripture, Oppressed people become oppressors. We saw this in the, um, when we went all through the minor prophets. This is true in scripture. It's true in history. The people without power who live for years under oppression get power and they become oppressors, right? So you just kind of have to, like when, when you look in Kenya right now and you see all these people riding, you go, well, what would happen if those people actually won and took over the government? Would they oppress all the people they hated? And then it would just be different people being ugly, right? I just... I think Christians should be very, very suspect when we have a they and then we get power over they and we somehow think that the Christian version will be much, much better, right? Number three, here's the big question. Are there people we can't bless? The Sermon on the Mount in Luke has this very, very uncomfortable section, and I'm not sure why Jesus included it. <sighs> because he did, and he's Jesus. Yeah, looking at the disciples, he says this, and you're familiar with this. Most of the time we read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, but here it is in Luke. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you'll be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. And this is it. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of the Man, Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Woe to you who are rich, you've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Woe to you who are listening. I say, love your enemies. Here we go. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other. If someone takes to your coat, withhold your shirt from them. (laughs) 
Bless those who oppress you. Boy, how are we going to do that? How am I going to do that? I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Um, like, this person is oppressive. This person is sitting on my chest. This person is trying to put cords, right? This person slaps in the face. And Jesus says, you want the other one? Oh, you cursed me? Let me give you a blessing. How do we do this with these four verses at the end of Psalm 129 where it says, there's people you don't offer a blessing to. Because here's the thing. Jesus made a lot of trips to Jerusalem. Jesus said this psalm. Is there a way to say, I love you, I bless you? I cannot ask God to bless the work of your hands. Is that possible? I love you, bless you, you just cursed me, you just slapped me, but I'm going to bless you in return. I do not want you to prosper in your evil. So I'm not going to ask God to give you prosper in your evil. And I think this relates to the last two things I'll say. Number number four, oppression is not the final victory. Not now and not certainly not in the future, right? Remember, New Jerusalem's coming there. Zion's coming. Like oppression and defeat are not the same thing. That's what it says. Cast down but not defeated. Persecution does not equal victory, even if it leads to death. Right? We see that every year whenever we do International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, right? And we see these people in North Korea and all these other places. And they're like, we're thrown in prison, but we're not defeated, Right? Romans 8, all that long list. Nothing or no one has the final say but God. Not your oppressor, not your oppression. Whatever it is you feel like is defeating you, whatever it is you feel like is sitting on your chest, that is not ultimate. God is ultimate, and he is righteous, compassionate, and good, and merciful. You cry out to him, right? You don't have to look around and blame this person, that person, or that person. It's just... But the Lord is righteous. But the Lord is righteous. And then lastly, two sections for the Lord Jesus. Look for when Jesus is there and he takes that scroll and he reads from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. To set the oppressed free. In the words here, they have greatly oppressed me from my youth. 
Lord is righteous. He has cut me free from the cords of the wicked. Can you imagine Jesus like as a kid and as a teenager, as a 20-something, and he's making his pilgrimage to Jerusalem? And he knows, however that works, being God and man and growing up. Y'all figure that out. Um, But he knows this psalm. They have greatly oppressed me from my youth. He knows he comes from an oppressed people, but he knows I've come to set the oppressed free. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. And he, said, he would have said this psalm with his people, with an oppressed people. And he's in the middle of that, surrounded by oppressed people going, I'm here to set these people free. Isaiah 53, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression, there's the word again, twice, and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. Jesus knew Isaiah 53 too. (laughs) He knew that chapter. So maybe that's why we have to love our enemies because Jesus did. He walked this earth knowing that he wasn't just surrounded by people oppressed by outside forces. He was surrounded by people oppressed by their own sin and transgression. And he's going to take that upon himself and die, die like a lamb with its mouth shut. Someone says, have a blessed day. You have no idea. Let me read Isaiah 53 to you. I guess that'll be your next assignment. Take you a long time to get out of the drive-thru if that happens. By his wounds we're healed. He takes oppression on himself in the worst way possible and oppressed people are set free in the most amazing way possible. And he knows it. (laughs) He knows it. Because he says at the beginning of his ministry, I came to set the oppressed free. Nobody could have known what he possibly meant by that. We're going to have a blessed day. (laughs) Will you pray with me? Lord, I know that there are people we believe are hopeless I know that there are people we believe who just won't change. There are people who, who try to tie your people up in cords 
Lord, all I can ask is that you would help us be a loving people because that's how they'll know that we're your disciples. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Sat down at the right of the Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being oppressed on my behalf. What in the world am I going to face this week? that even comes close. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for bearing everything that I even bring up on myself. And then thank you for suffering what even happens to me. You sure know what it was like on that cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Lord, make us a people who bless. May it not just be good luck. May it be a people who've deeply encountered the Savior of Isaiah 53, who know deeply we are sheep wandering our own way, and you're the shepherd who went and hunted for us, who died to get us his home. Pray that we'd walk through this world deeply convinced and convicted and transformed by this great good news. But the Lord is righteous. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, y'all. Have a great week. Have you been to?